Almost Awakened podcast, a no-nonsense approach to spirituality. Here we dive deep into the wisdom traditions while acknowledging insightful breakthroughs in science, psychology, and human development. Our goal is to explore the good life and the very best of spirituality, no-nonsense required. Check us out at almostawaken.org where you can check out past episodes, make a donation, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources we shared. And now, today's podcast episode. Welcome to another episode of the Almost Awakened podcast. I am one half of your host. My name is Bill. And I'm Mikkel. And we are excited to have you on. You can visit the website at almostawaken.org. Uh, Mikkel, here we are. We're we're like 15 episodes in. I can't believe it. I know, right? And it's been fun to do. Uh, tell maybe tell the audience a little bit, just in terms of uh, this podcast, um, how, how much fun this has been for you. It's been a blast. It's been a blast. It's something that I look forward to every week. Um, I'm finding that it's not only therapeutic, it's also very. Uh, I, I'm learning some things, and I love it when I hear other people say. Um, that they're loving it too and the things that they're learning. Because really, I, I, the intent of starting this podcast was to help people and have fun. And so it's, it's so cool that both of those are happening. Yeah, it really is. Next week, listeners, get ready. We should be interviewing a friend of ours. We talked about him last week, and we've actually mentioned him not by name earlier uh, in one of the episodes. Uh, his name is Ben, and just a smart guy, and, and we should sit down next week and have a conversation with him. I, I wanted to, to ask you, Mikkel, one of the cool things you did this past week is you got yourself a new swimsuit. And I got to tell you, so I've got Mikkel and Kelsey. Uh, they're just incredibly awesome. And you guys are, are gorgeous. Like, you're, you're beautiful women. And you went out and got this incredible swimsuit to show off your body. Really <laughs> impressive to those of us who were all gathered together. We were all stunned. I mean, honestly, our jaws all dropped. Maybe tell us a little bit about your swimsuit. Uh, so one thing that people should know is I think jokes are funny. I like playing pranks and I like joking people. And so um, I found this swimming suit. It looks like a hairy man's body. So it's nude colored. And it looks like a hairy man's body in a mankini. And um, so I thought I'd do a swim party. And uh, I think it went over really well. It was requested to come back again. Yeah, you really built the suspense up. So (laughs) there were probably, I'm going to guess, maybe 15 to 20 of us together on, uh, was it Thursday night? Yeah, Thursday. And so Thursday night, there's 15, 20 of us. And we're all over... uh, the house that we're in. And you kept saying like, look, we need to get everybody together. We need to get everybody together. I want to unveil my new swimsuit. Yeah. I really hyped it up. I made everybody think it was super sexy and classy and it was none of those. No, it was not <laughs> any of those. You, you walked out of the, the uh, changing room and you step out into the crowd of 20 of us. And I looked over at you and I could, I could see like there were lines on your outfit and I looked at it like, that's a weird looking <laughs> swimsuit. And then I turned away for a quarter of a second and it, the light bulb went on. I knew what it was. I turned back and looked at you and my jaw just dropped. It was, uh, it was, it, it was, was really hilarious. disgusting. <laughs> it is the, it is the absolute opposite of how I expected you to look. <laughs> 
when you walked I, out of there. I know your favorite part you told me was the hairy ass on the other side. Oh, the, the ass was the worst because one, one ass cheek was hairier than the other ass cheek by, by a significant margin. And it really was disgusting. It's like, it's like Mikhail, you got to start shaving your ass. Yeah. Yeah. It was so funny. It was so funny. I can't guarantee that it won't come out again. You yeah, know I don't it think will. it'll be the last time we're going to see it, will it? No. No, no. Hey, one of the things we wanted to do with this podcast, our hope, really, I mean, and I, and I hope this really is the case, and I hope listeners are deeply enjoying this, is that we can grow this podcast to a point where where we can make this a significant part of, of what we do. And it takes a lot of energy. It takes a lot of time to put this podcast on. And I know from having done podcasts for the last eight years that at some point, People get burned out, and you and I don't want to get burned out doing this. Right. We're really loving it. We want this to go for years and years. Maybe talk for a moment about what we need. We need from listeners to be, uh, you know, if they're loving the podcast and they feel like this is something that's beneficial to their lives, that we also need support from them. And so maybe talk about that for a moment. Yeah, for sure. So we do. We need support not only in you visiting our website and checking out resources, but sharing the episodes that you're loving, commenting, giving us a rating. And as always, we would love and appreciate any monetary donations that you felt inclined to give because it helps us keep going. It helps us um, have the equipment that we need and um, find people to interview. It, it's, it would be amazing. Yeah, and I, and I think you're hitting on multiple things there that are important. For for listeners, if you're enjoying the show, go on iTunes, if that's where you listen, and put a good review up. If you're seeing our post on Facebook, share the Facebook post. I get that some of the topics we're talking about when it comes to, say, psychedelic drugs or uh, a level of intimacy in friend groups, when we talk about some of these hard subjects, they are things that all of us humans who are on this side of things are either enjoying or thinking about or wrestling with. And so, yes, some of this material is going to be a little uncomfortable maybe to, to other people, but but please like show some support and share these episodes, share the information. Uh, the goal is to help people to, to wake up. And, and again, none of us are really awakened. We're all kind of in this process, almost being awakened. And uh, we just want to help people get to the space where we're all enjoying this side of life, the second half of life, as Richard Rohr says. And, and you pointed out too, People, there's there's forums you can participate in. There's a Facebook group titled Almost Awakened. There's a Reddit forum uh, titled Almost Awakened where I've been putting up stuff every other day or so uh, that has to do with the topics that we cover. I know we cover a wide array of things. That's intentional. Uh, it gives us room to talk for years and years. But as you pointed out last, and I think and to some degree in the long run, it's the most important thing, which is that if you're enjoying this show, would you go to the Almost Awakened website at almostawakened.org, click the donate uh, button at the top in the menu, and uh, just send us a few bucks, five bucks a month, 10 bucks a month, anything helps. And I know from having done podcasts for a long time that over time, as listeners enjoy a program, a quality product, and we hope that's what we're putting out, that it builds a following of people who are committed to to the program and want to see it go on. And we just want to see that start and begin. And so if you're enjoying Almost Awaken, please, please uh, donate today. Mikkel, uh, I want to talk for a moment about some specific things that happen in the awakening process. Okay. And I, and I want to ask you maybe to talk about how those have impacted you in your own journey. Okay. And so the first one I want to talk about is increased presentness or timelessness. And I want to give a little, a little quick synopsis here, and then you talk about it. It says here, another symptom of spiritual awakening is that it brings a different perception of time 
or you might say a shift in time orientation. In wakefulness, the past and the future become less important, and the the present becomes correspondingly more important. Maybe talk for a moment about your sense as you try to be present and uh, your awareness of how the past and the future have taken on a, a less relevant role in your life. That That's a really interesting um, thought. And when you first started asking me that question, I had one thing kind of stand out in my mind. A couple of years ago, probably seven years ago or so, I took a self-improvement course and it, it talked about how everything everything is a relationship. Time is a relationship. We have a relationship with money. We have a relationship with people. We have a relationship with other things in our life. And that was the first time I'd ever considered that I had a relationship with time. And in that course, I learned that, you know, because one of the things that I would say all the time is like, I have to be on time and I cannot be late. And um, I just was super rigid in regards to time. And after taking that course and over the last couple of years, I've learned to relax my perception of time. I I used to believe that if I was 15 minutes early, that was on time and anything after that was late. And I would get so angry if we were late to anything. It didn't matter what was happening, family function, church, you know, whatever. And and I've realized that, yeah, it's important to be on time because you're you're honoring someone else's time commitment. But getting angry about not being on time doesn't bother me anymore. Um, every once in a while, I'll feel a little um, angst or, or upset about being late. But in general, I would rather be where I'm at doing what I'm doing than worried about where I have to be. And so I think it, just being more present. And, and the past used to um, carry a lot more weight it kind of dominated more of my thoughts than it does now. And now I can view the past as a really great learning experience. And it's not something that gets to dictate what happens right now. Oh, I love that. And, and much along the same lines, like I, I don't care as much about the past. I don't care as much about the future. And I don't care as much about what others are doing that are not in my space yeah. at, the, at the present moment. Like I just want to enjoy what I'm doing right now, right here. And so there are nights, probably two or three nights a week now where I just sit on the couch at night with my wife. We're just watching TV and we just kind of arm around each other. And I'm, I just enjoy the present and in the future. Like, and I, like you, I used to worry like, Oh my goodness, how am I going to reach this goal? How am I going to achieve that? How am I going to knock this out? I don't really care anymore. And the past, I used to worry about like, oh, if I hadn't gotten that injury, maybe I could have been really good at this sport. Right. Or had I had I taken this little twist in the path, maybe I would have ended up here. And I've just gotten to the point where the past doesn't matter anymore. And I'm not even who I was in the past. And I'm right. not even now who I'm going to be in the future. Like who I am, whatever I am, the essence of me is right here, right now. And And so we have this practice with me and my wife where anytime we get off track from being present... It's kind of my mantra. I'm right here, right now. Yeah. And it brings us back to kind of like, let's just enjoy this moment right in front of us. Kelsey and I will do something similar because one of the things that's been a struggle for me is some anxiety. And it usually comes from thinking about the future, like trying to get everything in order and planning and, you know. And so she'll she'll just say, hey, babe, like everything always works out. And her saying that is my reminder that, okay, right now, right here in this moment, everything's taken care of, everything's okay, so I can just breathe and I can relax and 
she's always right. Everything always works out. It may not be how I envisioned or how I planned, but it always works out. Yeah. Mm. Another one is that people tend to be more of a deconstructionist on the religion side, and and yet the word spirituality takes on this entirely new framing. Uh, and I've got thoughts on that, but I want to hear you first. What What do you think of the wrestle in terms of religion and how you used to connect spiritual or spirituality to that word? And then on this side of things, how those two words have completely separated. Um, so for me, spirituality is more about connecting with myself and the universe, which entails everything. So connecting in that way versus giving all of my power away to some unknown being. Um, and so it it's more about, for me, it's more about, um, again, being present and being grateful for where I'm at and what I have than um, hoping that some some guy up in the clouds is going to fix things for me. Yeah, it's just interesting because for so long, um, as a part of a religious system, I did, I gave away all of my power. If I had any type of problem or any type of concern, what did I do? I just prayed or, you know, I read scriptures or I did these ritual practices hoping that um, somebody else was going to fix the problem or somebody else was going to take care of whatever the issue was. And now it, it's, it's me figuring it out. Not that I don't have help because I do. I, I think that the universe is always conspiring for, for our good, um, because we're all connected and how could it not? Yeah. I, uh, I had a guy come into work the other day. He was a customer. He was looking around our pawn shop. And he started looking at our museum case. We've got a museum case in our store that has some religious historical items in it. And he was asking questions about, you know, what is this item and what's the history? And and suddenly him and I got into this deep conversation where he tried to share with me his certainty of how the world works. And it was his certainty of kind of a a spiritualism and it involved evolution and it involved some other ideas that are very interesting to me. But, but one in which I know that now when I sit in a room with 10 or 15 people and we have these conversations, I realize that we're all adamant about our own perspectives, but within our group, there is a realization that all of us lack certainty. In other words, I could be wrong. You could be wrong. And, and almost assuredly we, we all are. And this individual was so certain and, and so I was in this conversation engaged, and in the past, when I was connected to my religious system, I recognized that my system had all the answers. Nobody else's answers were right. There's nothing I really can learn from anybody else. They should all be quiet and listen to me. And uh, it's my job to share my version of the gospel with them. And as I've gotten to this side of life, I realized that, oh, I, I've lost all of those beliefs and even the beliefs I've now created, I realize that they're, they're specific to me and I'm no, I'm no more certain of mine um, than anybody else's. Like, like I realize I'm probably wrong too, but this is my view anyway. And so as I engaged this conversation, I realized his certainty was a blockade for him, but I also realized there were things he was saying that I could learn from. And so I sat engaged for, it was probably 15 or 20 minutes 
And th- this, he was saying lots of strange stuff, but some of that stuff was connected to things that I do have an interest in and awareness of, um, things in terms of evolution and consciousness among plants. And, and as he's having this conversation, I'm like, okay, he's probably wrong, but man, this is some good stuff he's saying. And there are bits and pieces that got me thinking. What I mean by all of that is that for me now, everything is spiritual. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is the human yeah. I'm talking to is spiritual. The, the perception and views they have has a spirituality to it, even if they're wrong. That we can learn something from everyone, everyone has something to contribute, that we're all on this flying rock, flying through space, and all the processes, all the mechanisms that have happened over thousands and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions and billions of years, all of it has an intelligence to it, even if it's not all conscious. And all of that for me is spiritual. And on this side of things, you become much more aware of the, as you pointed out, the connectedness in everything. Yeah, I had um, a a thought, Bill, when you were talking that um, for me, it's been interesting because I used to believe, you know, like you said, that that certainty that my religious system was the only correct and and right way. And it's been interesting as I I have kind of stepped away from, not kind of, I have fully stepped away from that religious practice. Um, I now can see people for who they are, or I'm, I'm at least practicing way better than I used to, instead of seeing them as um, either spiritual or not spiritual, whether, you know, whether or not they fit into my perception of that religious box. The other thought that came to me too was in all of the books that I'm reading or have read, one of the key things that usually always stands out to me is they talk about communication. And a key part of communicating is listening to people without um, thinking of a response. And so as you're telling that story, um, you did that. You listened to him without formulating a reply so that he could feel heard and you could have a greater understanding. Yeah. And I, and I enjoyed the conversation I no longer like, anytime I run into somebody who is just certain that their perspective of things that cannot be known with certainty are right, that that puts a little wedge in the conversation for me, but it doesn't stop me from learning from the person and taking bits and pieces of the truth that they that they say that resonates with me as truth. Yeah, I, I think that's a really cool practice in spirituality is um, you then discerning what's true for you. And um, letting go of what doesn't feel true for you. Yeah, yeah. And I think we're all doing that. And even in this group, I mean, your girl, she she walks around at times and just talks to the plants in her house and feels like there is a real two-way communication going on. Mm -hmm. That seems foreign to me, but I'm no longer in a place where I can go like, that's not happening. That's not real. Like I'm now open to like, let's have conversations about all of this stuff. And I think on some level, there are processes and mechanisms going on that, that none of us fully understand that are at work. And we're also all wrong about things too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, one of, one of my favorite books, it's a, a love hate relationship is a book called embracing uncertainty. And she just talks about, you know, this process of moving away from feeling like everything is certain um, to just embracing what isn't and, and realizing that nothing is really certain. Um, and it's a book that I go back to often because part of me craves certainty. Yeah. Certainty is certainly a big piece of that first half of life. We love the answers mm-hmm. and now we're trying to lean into where we just enjoy the questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love it. Good book. Um, 
Another thing that happens in awakening is connection. We've talked about it on the podcast before, but connection with other humans. And man, I'm sitting here stammering because I, my brain is going back to what connection looked like in the first half of life. And it felt very now, it didn't feel that way then. It felt real then. But now on this side of life, much of that felt very superficial. And now on this side of life, there's something different about our connection with others. Um, and I'm now I'm just, my brain's racing through like my connection with you, my connection with other friends in our group, my connection with uh, employees that I, I work with. Um, maybe talk for a moment about what connection to other humans, how that's moved and shifted and changed as, you, as you've moved into an almost awakened stage. Um, like you, it used to be very superficial. I didn't really understand what connection looked like um, outside of a religious system. And and now, you know, I, I crave connection. I want to talk to people. I want to see who they are. I want them to see me. I want to hold hands with them or rub my fingers through their hair. I, I want to see them in in their form as a human being. And um, it's interesting because when I come in contact with people who aren't quite in that same space, it can make them feel super uncomfortable and awkward. And then I like to follow up, depending on the person, but I like to follow up with a question like, why does that make you uncomfortable? Why does that make you feel awkward? Like, what is it about touching another human being in a non-sexual but intimate way that makes you want to pull back and, and hide? Um, so connection, I, I, I love, I love people. I love finding out who they are and seeing them. Yeah. When you talk about like that kind of interconnectedness with another, if we hooked human beings up to a lie detector and if we pose to them, like, would you like to have, and again, we're not using the word intimacy in any sort of sexual way. Would you like to have more intimacy with people who are not your significant other? And I know there are some people, there's a, there's a small portion of human beings who don't like touch. They don't want to be around other people. And maybe it's one or the other of those, and maybe it's both. But for the far and wide majority of humans on this planet, we crave inside, we crave connection. And yet there are these arbitrary constructs in our world that dictate what is appropriate and what is inappropriate. And so we never, ever, ever are allowed to even be in that space. And so when I was on the first half of life, I had friends, males and female friends, who I perceived as like, oh, I wish I could have some level of connection with them, and you can't. And then you get to this side of life, and as you're pointing out, to sit next to people, um, men and women, where the guy's got his arm around me, and then on my other side is one of my female friends, and I'm holding their hand, and I'm just letting, we're just letting each other know like, hey, I appreciate you as a human being. I love that you're in my space. I love the time and energy that we put into getting to know each other and to and to enjoy each other's company. You get to be exactly who you are, even in your... And there's the bell. When we sell that clock, I am going to fucking have a party. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'll leave that in. <laughs> yeah, so on this side of things, on this half of life, being in spaces with humans, getting to sit next to them, getting my skin to touch their skin, getting them to smile and to laugh. Uh, beautiful. I didn't, we did one of our episodes early on where I was talking about this kind of connection and I expressed like, I love touch. It's my love language. 
Um, I'm not looking to have sex with you. Mikkel, you and I are never going to have sex, right? Never. Never. Sorry, Bill. Never. And yet, more than other than my wife, more than anyone else on this planet, you sit next to me and you enjoy a level of intimacy with me. I hold your hand. You rub my ear. I rub your hair. I rub your back. You, you uh, rub my shoulder. Like, we have this level of connection. So I share on the podcast how much I love touch. And I go to a, a party maybe two or three months ago. And this, this female that I know, but I, I don't have much of a relationship with her. I'm not, I would call her a friend, but I barely know her. She comes up and she sits right down next to me. And she goes, I listened to your guys' episode. And I listened to you guys talk about human touch, Bill. And I listened to how much you like human touch. And I just want you to know, I like human touch as well. And so she reached over and she just grabbed my hand and she held it. For guys, it is so hard to initiate that. You are always the weirdo. Mikkel, you have it so easy. Yes and no. So continue. So you, as a female, you get to initiate contact with both females and males. And it doesn't have the, there's, there's no worry at all that somebody's in their head going like, "Uh uh-oh, that person's a predator. That person's crazy. That person's trying to do something that they shouldn't do. There's none of that. Now I know there's other, other layers, but there's none of that. And so for this female to come up and just sit next to me and just hold my hand, like to initiate that was like, wow, thank you. Like it allowed me to enjoy that space and not to be in my head worrying about whether I was coming off as a, as a, as a goofball. Hmm. Well, you are a goofball, but not a creepy okay. one. No, not a creepy one. Do you want to say anything about the layer in which it is kind of difficult for you? Um, so yeah, the, the layer that's a little bit difficult for me is, you know, I, I don't want to make anybody else feel uncomfortable with, with my level of connection. And so I'm always aware of that and checking in with people like, hey, Bill, you know, is it okay if I rub your ear? And then checking in with Amanda, Amanda, is it okay if I rub Bill's head or, you know, hold his hand or whatever? And so there, there is that level or that layer of, which I think is super important that we, that we check in with each other and with each other's partners just to make sure that we're not crossing um, any boundaries that makes the relationship feel safe. Um, and so, it's, it is easier for women, I think, to engage in connecting with other human beings, but um, there's, it's not without worry. Yeah. You're, th- there's always, we're all in our heads with our mind chatter. And also we realize that in this world of humans, there are good humans whose intentions and motives are, are good. And there are other humans who are predatory and who are looking to be in a space where People are open to good people having a deeper level of connection and then abusing that space. And so you certainly have to be cognizant of everyone's feelings and thoughts and their fears and the mind chatter that they have. And we also have to be aware of who's in the group and what people's motives are. Um, But in our group anyway, we've just spent so much time together that a lot of that becomes much more relaxed. But as you're pointing out, then it becomes too easy to almost not check in and and some of that checking in is still healthy and needs to happen. Yeah. Perfect. Um, Inner quietness. Uh, We talked a a little bit ago about timelessness and being present. Uh, In the first half of life, there is a ton of mind chatter. It is nonstop and it's still an issue to various degrees on this side of life. Maybe talk for a moment about, where the journey has taken you in terms of quieting that mind chatter. So I've I've always loved my quiet time and because it helps me reflect, it helps me think and you know, 
a few years ago, it used to be my way of um, course correcting and critiquing myself. Not Course correction's good, but I would use it in a way that was harmful. I um, would beat myself up anytime there was quiet. But now I love, you know, I have a 30-minute drive home from work and to work, and so I love taking that time to have the radio off and just be in the car with no other noise and just be still. Um, it does, it helps me unwind. It helps me um, let go of things that may have happened throughout the day. And so quiet, I love that time. But I think the other thing that I really love is meditation, especially guided meditation. Guided meditation helps get me out of my head and it gives me something else to focus on. And it'll have moments where it's just quiet and you're just focused on breathing and letting go. Um, there's a lot of science behind why breathing is so important. Um, you know, oftentimes we're in this fight or flight stressed mode. And when we take time to slow our breathing down, um, it interrupts that fight or flight system and allows our body to rest. And so quietness, stillness is much more important to me than it used to be. How about you, Bill? I, uh, I, I don't notice much mind chatter at all anymore. Um, I, I remember times in my life when I first started to become aware of that stuff going on in my head, those stories, and, and amazed at how much, how much mind chatter each of us have. And somewhere along the way, and I don't know exactly what caused it, because I've, I've meditated a little, but not a ton. And I've read about it a little, but not a ton. And I've enjoyed all of these other facets that add to awakeness a little, but not a ton. But somehow the combination of all of those bits and pieces added up to where I feel like there's almost no mind chatter. And again, we all have it. You can't get rid of it. It's not going to just disappear. You're not going to go like one day, I, I have zero mind chatter. But, but it's almost none. What do, you, what do you mean by mind chatter? So all of us are in our heads. If we stop, if you were to meditate, if everybody were to just stop for a moment and just focus on their breathing, they would notice that thought after thought after thought after thought after thought after thought comes into their mind. Mm -hmm. And as that happens, um, when the mind chatter is really busy, we also are connecting stories to every one of those thoughts as well. Right. Like, like you're in your head going like, oh my gosh, I just saw Jenny talk to Jan. That must mean that Jenny likes Jan better than me. And oh my goodness, maybe Jan is going to replace me as a friend to Jenny. And maybe Jenny's going to hang out with Jan more. And maybe, maybe I won't be friends with Jenny anymore. And maybe this will all go down track and maybe I'll end up blowing this whole thing up. So I better not say the wrong thing. I better not walk into this group and, and say the wrong, like that's going on all day long inside our heads. And I'm simply saying like to where I am now, there's all, there's so little of that. Hmm. Um, there's, there's generally one thought that's concerned with what needs to be tackled in this present moment. And all of the stories, they come in for just a moment. I'll feel a twinge. I'll feel a poke. I'll, I'll recognize. I'll give you an example. The other day I reached out to you and Kelsey just to say like, Hey, checking in, how are you guys doing? And you said, Hey, we're hanging out with the Reese's pieces, right? Mm -hmm. And I felt that little poke like, oh, why am I not there? Right. And all of us do this. We all have FOMO. We all, we all, and then you start to, you can start to tell a story about like, oh my goodness, that must mean the Joneses like the Reese is better than me. And hence now you know, I've been, we can do that. We can have all these stories within a quarter of a second. I nip all that in the bud and I say, that's bullshit. I'm right here right now. And I go right back to being present and I let it go. I love, hate you. You love, hate me. <laughs> 
because I, I can't do that. I'm not to that place yet. I, I love the quiet time because it does help me reflect and, and refocus and let go of things. But I don't know if I ever have a period of time where I don't have mind chatter. It's, I, I agree that it's, it's probably lessened to a small degree, but it's still there. And I still am constantly checking myself like, okay, don't, don't go to story. That's not really what's happening. You know, just breathe and let it go. I, I don't know that I not have mind chatter. And so I love hate you for that. Um, here's a little bit of arrogance on my part. Cause I want I want the audience to pick up on why that's so important. So Mikkel, when you run into a problem, something that is stressing you and you and I are talking, how do I handle those situations with you? Am I stressful too? Am I like, am I like, oh my gosh. Oh, no. So no, you're like so chill, which also, again, I love hate you. <laughs> the reason I'm so chill, the reason I'm able to go like, okay, let's slow down. Let's look at what this moment looks like. Let's see what the real repercussions are. And let's see what the healthiest way is to handle it. You mentioned the one time about the wedding dress. Yeah. Um, and how you were panicking because it came in, it didn't fit, and there was no time left. Right. And again, when we learn to reduce drastically our mind chatter, and I think you're going to get it because if you're doing a meditation practice, everybody I know, let me put it this way, 90% of the people <laughs> I know who are deeply awakened point to meditation as the secret. So I think, I think with more time, you're going to find a huge difference in this. I, I do it every day and I've done it every day for two years. But let's talk in eight more years when we got a decade of meditation <laughs> behind us. And I want to see where far. you're at. I know, I know. But it's that it's not having the mind chatter that allows you to see situations for what they are and to clearly see the ripples in the water that that situation could or is having and then to see the healthy solutions to the problem. And again, I'm not perfect. You could sit here for an hour. We could sit down and you could just label all my flaws and shadows. I've got my own shit. I'm not perfect. But this is one thing that I do well is to just see situations clearly when I'm in a conversation and that conversation is important. Yeah, you are really good at that. And that's, that's I love reaching out to you in my moments of um, story because you, you do, you have a way of helping me calm down and helping me dissect it and seeing what real, what the real issue is rather than what the stories are telling me. Right. And so the key to me is to get rid of the mind chatter or to reduce it drastically. And so I hope so listeners how do you, start to point that way. How did you get rid of yours? Like what, what's, I, I don't have a secret. It was, there's gotta it, be something that like um, shifted. No, it, no, it, it really is probably. So I, I, 32, 40, probably the last decade, just 10 years of being in this space, deconstructing systems, wrestling with what is real and what isn't, what is reality and what isn't, what, what, what is spiritual and what is religious and what's right and wrong about that. Like just that 10 years spent in that space did it. And it isn't any one thing I can point to. I do not have a meditation practice. I have meditated from time to time when my body told me it was useful. And I tend to kind of stay away from it generally. It's, it's not meditation. I don't know what it is, but it's leaning into this space and it's talking about the things that we've covered so far in the 15 episodes we've done and what we're going to cover in the next 500 that we're going to do. It's those things that have collectively brought me there. It's interesting. You sent me an article... Um, a couple of weeks ago, which has been helpful. It's called Silencing Your Inner Critic. Because um, again, one of the things that I've been really good at is being my own worst enemy. And so um, maybe let's put that up on, on our website, 
And I'll just point to one thing that's really helped me um, from this article. And it's, it's, I, I've noticed over the last couple of weeks, it has helped calm the mind chatter a little bit, make it not so intense, is viewing myself or treating myself as I would treat one of my kids or one of my best friends. I would never say the words that I say to myself to another human being. And so, um, yeah, maybe just remember to be kinder to yourself. Yeah. And I think too, we're all do in this, in this very moment right here, we are all doing it the best we can. And, and so we just have to be patient with ourselves. We're going to make mistakes and my mistakes are going to look different than yours. So when I make mine and I see you not making that mistake, I'm, it, I'm prone to then beat myself up because I see other people doing that thing better. But the reality is we are all so different. As you well know, my wife and I are working through kind of some behavior in the last couple of days. And, and on some level, like I'm, I understand she's not me and I'm not her. And so our behaviors are going to naturally look different. And on the first half of life, you get so frustrated. Mm-hmm. Like you're ready to just like, you're just, you're just done because this human does human different than you. And that different is somehow hurting you. And the reality is like, we're all doing that. And on this side of life, you become more accepting of people being different and you don't need everybody to conform. Right. Right. It, but it also is a process of changing your own perception and being kinder and gentler to yourself because, you know, it, we make mistakes and we, we give other people the opportunity to make mistakes. So we need to, we need to allow that for ourselves. Right, right. This leads right into the next point I wanted to hit on, which was empathy and compassion. Uh, what did empathy and compassion look like for you on the first half of life? versus how you feel about those two words now? So I didn't really have an understanding of what empathy was um, until, again, another class that I had taken. But compassion to me um, in that area meant taking a casserole to someone who maybe had had surgery or um, taking a, you know, a box of food items to someone who was struggling. It didn't, I didn't really have a lot of real compassion Um I was kind to people, but it it feels differently in this part of my life than it used to. You didn't want to climb in the hole with people, no, and hold them in their space. I was good at it, but I but for different reasons. I was good at it because that's what I felt I was supposed to do, and um, I wanted to be you know conform and fit into the the box of my religious system. But now compassion. Uh, I don't know. It's. I think it's tricky. Um, and I say tricky because I'm a nurse. So I, I have a lot of compassion for people. But on this side of things, it feels more genuine and it feels deeper. Um, and it feels like I would rather sit in the rabbit hole with you and help you climb out. I'm not going to push you, but I'll hold your hand and help you. Um and I think that goes along with empathy too, is seeing where another person is at um, and trying to put myself in that space so that I can understand them better. What, what, what about you, Bill? What does it look like for you? What did it look like before? And what does it look like now? So much along the same lines in the first half, it was, I can help you move. I can give you an hour of my time and I can perform a service for you. And I hope that makes you feel better and goodbye. I'll see you next time. Right. And it was very, 
I didn't really want to sit and know your story. I didn't really want to sit and find out what was hurting you and to help you uh, with that. I didn't want to hold it with you. I, I just wanted to show up, perform a service and leave and then be able to report back that I had done some good deed. And on this side of things, it is much more, um, I don't, it's much more, I don't, man, what's the word? Interconnected. Like I feel yeah, it's because we're, like we're sharing this. We're sharing this hard time. Yeah. Um, you just, so just yesterday, you and, you and Kelsey swing by and drop me off some cookies and you sit down and you just talk. I, I, it just becomes more real. Like you're willing to go like, oh, shit's happening to you. I'm going to sit in this shit with you. I'm going to be supportive. I'm not going anywhere. I don't need to run from this. I don't need to get away from it. Uh, I'm going to sit with it and we're going to just figure it all out together. It, the best phrase I know, and we use this word all the time, is holding this space with someone. It really feels when when somebody in our group has a shitty thing happen, it really feels like we collectively hold that space together. And I don't know that I can define it perfectly, but I know that it feels and looks different than the first half of life. And it feels more real and it feels more, I, it feels, I feel more love uh, in, in this way of doing it as well. That's awesome. I love it. I love it. I want to give a shout out to, um, we've got some of our friends running the Tough Mudder today down in Las Vegas. Those guys are badasses. So what is the Tough Mudder? I know what it is, oh but let's tell gosh. the listeners. The Tough Mudder. Is it, is it the Tough Mudder Futter? Oh, there's a couple of different uh, races. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's 25 obstacles. It's a 10-mile race course. And at the end, they there's these wires that hang down. Like sort of like the only way I can describe it is kind of like finding Nemo when he was swimming through the jellyfishes. Because these wires have electricity running through them and you could get shocked. <laughs> One of the obstacles... It sounds horrific. One of the obstacles is you, it's called the polar enema, and you plunge into ice cold water while completing one of these obstacles. Kelsey and I were going to do it, but one, we haven't trained. I am so, there's no way I could. Um, and two, those two obstacle courses, I was like, yeah, no, I'm out. But we do have a group of friends that are running it today. So I just wanted to send them lots of love and give them a shout out. And then guess who I saw running yesterday? Uh, I'm going to guess you saw Corey Reese running yesterday. I did. <laughs> oh my gosh. That guy is awesome. He was running a hundred miles. Yeah. Just which, for the fun. Yeah. For him, a hundred miles, I mean, hundred miles for him is like me eating a cookie, you know? Right. Like it's just, it's, and I'm not going to say it's easy because no running a hundred miles is easy, but it has become second nature for this guy to just run all over planet earth. Oh my gosh. I called him because I was driving my daughter and her friend to the friend's house and we passed him on the road. And so I called him. I was like, Corey, I saw you running. And he he just was like so happy and chill. And I mean, we're going up the hill. And I just was, Corey, you're amazing. I love you. Yeah. It is it is fun to be to be in with these different people and to see their lives happening and to watch the things they're participating in. As you point out, good luck to those doing the Tough Mudder today. Um, to me, that's insane. Uh, I've watched videos of all these different scenarios or tasks that these folks go through. And a lot of times, you know, it, it is a kind of an individual thing, but then you'll travel together and kind of support each other and help each other. Um, it really becomes kind of a bonding experience when you do it with more than one person. Yeah, and it's funny because um, the group that's going said that the whole reason they do it is because you get a free beer at the end. 
<laughs> I was like, uh, I'll give you a free beer right now to not do it. Right. Like, I'll just go buy a pack of beer, a case of beer, and we'll just drink, and we don't right? have to do all this. But like you said, they said it's a very bonding, connecting experience, and they love doing hard things together. And so it's awesome. And I just wanted to give them a shout out. And Kelsey and I are going to do it next year. Cool. I wish uh, I wish them luck today, and I wish you guys luck when you do it next year. I will never be doing a Tough mutter, And I can't <laughs> speak for my wife, but I'm going to anyway. I doubt she will ever do a Tough mutter as well. We're just not Tough mutter kind of people. Um, but, well, but maybe. What if you, like, you could change. <laughs> we could. You could shift, Bill. I could change and shift, but I don't know that I want to change and shift in that direction. Um, other thing, like what else is going on in life? What else is happening that we should hit on today or maybe mention to, to the audience? One thing happened today and I was super proud of myself. So I have to, I have to give myself some accolades because normally I am screwing it up all the time and I'm not doing things the best way. But this week I rocked it in this one instance. Um, Kelsey and I had a little bit of an argument about something and rather than continuing to feel angry and upset because she wasn't conforming to what I wanted, um, I sat there for a minute and I thought, oh, this thing that we're arguing about is so dumb. How can I let it go? And what's the most important thing right now? And um, I I did. I let whatever we were arguing about, I let it go. um, Because the most important thing to me in that moment was showing her and reminding her how much I loved her. Because that is the most important thing in our relationship is, is being connected and having love for one another. And so I was like, I'm, I'm going to let this thing go. I'm going to focus on what I want. And we still disagree. We don't, you know, it's the, the issue is not resolved because she's going to do what she wants to do. And it's different than what I want. Um, but it no longer bothers me in the same way. And so I just, I was super happy. I was proud of myself because I didn't, I didn't fuck it up this time. Yeah, those those moments are really cool when you perceive a moment and you know, like, okay, I've handled this similar thing this way, this other, this this kind of way a thousand times before, and now I'm aware that I have a choice and I'm going to choose to handle it a different way this time. It's awesome when we can do that, and and like you said, there's there's times when I'm aware of what I'm doing and I see the unhealthiness of it and I still choose it anyway. But in this instance, I didn't. Congrats to you. Like that's, that to me is what being almost awakened means is that we now are aware of all these facets, our ego, our mind chatter, our way of having done things in the past and what the results of that were. And that we now start to step in and it doesn't happen all the time. And maybe it doesn't even happen a lot, but we step in and we start to make different choices. And and essentially it looks like real dynamic growth. Yeah. So congrats to you. Thanks. Hey, I got to say thank you to you. Uh, you recommended you recommended talking to strangers. I'm almost oh. done with the book. And man, I it's it's one of the best books I've ever read and and for lots of reasons. One is that Malcolm Gladwell narrates the book himself. He's fantastic. He's fantastic. He inserts sound bites. He he understands, he's definitely almost awakened. And oh. on this side of things, he understands mechanisms and how they lead to certain kinds of behaviors. And so he dissects like what makes us humans treat strangers in certain ways and how does that benefit and how does it cause dysfunction and then how can it cause an absolute clusterfuck with a police officer pulling over a African-American lady in, I think it was, I think it was a Tennessee. No, it was Texas. Texas. And it ends with him feeling his authority challenged 
and essentially treating her in ways that were above what the law really dictates he should have done. He arrests this lady. She ends up going to jail and commits suicide in jail. And, and I think the lesson to me is my behavior, the way I treat others, and, and when I don't slow down and when I just react, there can be deep consequences when I just react, when I act irresponsibly, and that I owe it to other humans around me as other spiritual beings. I owe it to them to slow down and to try and sort out, like, what's the best and healthiest way to treat this other person in this moment? Um, a lot of good things can come from how we treat strangers, a lot of bad things, but th- wow, the, the book showed me that there's a lot of stuff at work in us humans and in our interactions, and we got to be really careful. Yeah, it was fascinating because there were there, there's so much that I didn't understand. There's so many complexities and intricacies and, and like you said, just inner workings that we may not even be aware of in other people and in ourselves. And so slow down. And the book is fascinating. I can't say enough. I'm going to read it again. Yeah, I, we're almost, I'm almost finished with it. I'm, I'm hoping my wife will jump on board and read it. Uh, it's been fun too. I know that as we've talked about it, there are other folks in our friend group. I know our friend Chris Bloxham just started listening to it oh, and it's been it's huge for him book. too. So uh, thank you so much for recommending that one. I hope I hope the listeners are listening. And if you are listening to the book and you, you heard our recommendation and you're in it, we'd love to know what you think. Wherever you're seeing us post uh, content, please uh, chime in and, and talk about what the book has meant to you. Um, Today, like uh, we're here, I think we're at the end here of this episode. Any closing thoughts? Anything else you're thinking of? Um, no. This has been another Almost Awakened episode. Check us out at almostawakened.org, where you can check out past episodes, make a donation to keep this podcast running, email us a question or comment, or find out more about the resources shared in today's episode. For coaching opportunities or extra support, visit nonsensespirituality.com to meet with certified spiritual director Brittany Hartman. 